0: hello and welcome to the dj force 10 in conversation podcast episode 183 and my very special guest on today's show is it's been a long time waiting for this one but it is tamar katan he is a stand-up comedian coming out of the u.s um and uh yeah he's he's currently not in the US but back I would say about 4 years ago I interviewed a band called Gears um their drummer Jimmy Wooten and he recommended him um to me and I love stand up so I went and checked him out and absolutely loved what he does tried to hook things up back then didn't quite work out I tried again last year time zones didn't really line up so we couldn't get it um done uh but then he moved to europe and we got it done finally uh but you'll hear about all his move all about his move to europe and everything in the podcast um he's currently got a vlog called nice to marry with him and his good lady wife and it's very very inspiring it's very kind of real and i suggest anyone that's interested in sort of like the human um life i guess and mental health and 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 things like that do check it out it's very interesting um and it's it's i think they're gonna try and do i think they're doing it weekly but do check out it's on his um youtube channel of the same of his name tamer katan that's t-a-m-e-r k-a-t-t-a-n and uh yeah like i said it's been a long time coming this one and i'm absolutely fucking loving the fact that he's he's on the show which is brilliant and we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff so look forward to that um thanks for everyone checking out beach riot last week uh, fantastic band do check them out and um yeah i've got plenty more in the pipeline coming up uh we're just sort of like getting through some interviews i've got a very special challenge with uh total rock at the moment as well where we intend to interview every band that's going to be on this year's download festival in the uk now obviously it's uh, completely up in the air that it may not happen, but we're still going to do this anyway. We want to get every band that was on it. And it's a good way of like promoting the festival, first and foremost. It's, good, it's a good place to promote bands because there's a lot of like um, smaller bands on it this year. Um, and also, it's, it's great for the fans because they're not going to be able to get to these festivals. Some of them will have the capability of watching them online. Um, if any of them set up any kind of like online concerts or anything like that but um it's a great place to hear from them as well so look out for that it's going to be on this channel but it's also going to be on the total rock channel as well so i'm going to sort of simul release it across both so if you're a subscriber to this you're going to get it anyway um and it'll go to any sort of like total rock side of things as well, which is absolutely awesome because the show is associated with total rock. Um, I wanted to put their name on it because um, they gave me an outlet uh, with the In conversation radio show um, and with the podcast. I just wanted to branch more into that sort of medium with this show, this sort of chat-based show. Um, and there are some things coming. Fo- um, in the future with it as well i'm going to start i'm using online like video um capturing stuff and things like that for like kind of like face-to-face interviews and things like that if you want to see my ugly mug uh that'll be absolutely fine um but yeah finally please like review subscribe all that kind of good stuff um it really does help and um yeah please look out for um tamar katan in the future Uh, i know in spain he's doing some socially distant shows at the moment so do check them out if you are over that side of the world um if not he is planning on um making himself a bit more well known across europe and things like that but i present to you Tama katan enjoy So I'd like to welcome to my show today. I have stand-up comedian Tama Katan here. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Barnaby. Absolutely, my pleasure, man. It's been—it's actually been a while um, to get you on this show. Um, I was—I yeah. was looking through my messages, and I've seen ones dating back to I think 2017 yeah um, it's
1: crazy right it's it is so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: but time differences whatnot i mean at that point i was in florida um i was living out there um in the sun life for a bit um <laughs> in the crazy part of the states if you will and um, yeah. um, um and it was actually uh another guest on the show that i had uh jimmy from gears um was my um sort of like put on to you uh, I had oh yeah, on, he's awesome. Yeah, I had him on the show back in I think it was 2016, end of 2016. And um, yeah, he's
1: such a good guy, man. I love Jimmy.
0: Yeah, he's he's really really nice, and we we've remained um like remained connected since as well, which is really cool. And I'm going to get Gears back on the show at some point as well because they're starting to release some some new music. Right um, on, which is awesome. But um, no, it was, just, it was just one of those things. I was—I mean, at the time, I was like—I've always been um, a fan of stand-up comedy. Uh, back when I was um, a lot younger, I ran—or um, I co-ran—a comedy night uh, at a venue that I started working at as a sort of sound and lighting technician. And oh, cool! You know, we'd have like the sort of like it would be like the sort of like uh, circuit comedians like doing like just outside of London shows and stuff like that um the Petrie winners and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff and um yeah no I've just had a real love for it since then I've always like watched you know Eddie Izzard Lee Evans Billy Connolly the sort of classic British comedians and um obviously we got Eddie Murphy and 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 Richard Pryor and Bill Hicks and all that kind of stuff so we got that influence from the States and um yeah I mean I've obviously I love all the sort of stand-up shows on TV all that kind of stuff so um you're actually my second stand-up comedian on the show <laughs> oh cool <laughs> not, i'm, not the I'm honored um and yeah no the first one was um don jameson um uh, last year actually he had a comedy album release and um right on i uh, had him on there so um but no i was just just sort of what i want to try and do is, is sort of just get your um you know a bit of an origin story if you will when it comes to your sort of like stand up comedy and things like that and we'll move on to what you're doing now as well because that's quite interesting um the sort of new uh video um video or v- vlog video cast I think they I don't know what they call them
1: oh uh, sure yeah i think vlog is the word I, I, yeah. you know we youtube channel or whatever but yeah i guess it's like a video blog slash social experiment
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is very I, I do want to get onto that because it sounds really 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 cool but um yeah no i just want to get a bit oh, of an story so where, where you kind of got like started in comedy and stuff like that what what really kind of drove you towards that because it's not an easy path uh and you seem to have made no, some kind of not. headway on it so
1: yeah thanks man I, I mean for me it was it was funny i was just speaking to a friend last night where i said i it, it sounds so stupid and cliche but it's like i didn't I didn't really pick comedy. Comedy picked me. And yeah. I think, you know, you see there's a lot of similarities with, with music and comedy. And the way I found myself getting into comedy was actually through music. Um, at a really early age, when we first immigrated to America, um, it was the first time I really got picked on and bullied mm. when we moved to America. Cause in Egypt, you know, I was, you know, people liked me. People were nice. To me, I look like everybody else, you know, and People just knew Egyptians were just people, (laughs) you know, and then we get to America and there's all this racism and it was way before terrorism or anything like that. It was just kids would hear on the news or their parents would hear that gas prices were going high and then their parents would cuss out Arabs and then (laughs) come to school and be like, I know one of those. And then they, you know, they try to beat me up. Brilliant. So I had like a, a, a terrible first couple years in America and then I had this really weird experience where I got bit in the face by a dog. A pit bull bit me in the head. Oh wow. And yeah, it was really wild. Like he bit me across my eyebrow and when I pulled my head away, his tooth slit my eyelid open. Like that's oh. how close he came to you know, eating my eye. And um, you know, they I had to wear an eye patch for a year and then kids started calling me a pirate. And so <laughs> I started you know, going to the library after school because that's where I hid from bullies and I, I read every children's book about pirates I could. Mm. And then I moved on to books and then the adult books, my life changed because that's when I realized that pirates were not bad guys. Mm. They were actually war veterans returning from war. And that's why they had peg legs and hook hands. They'd lost them fighting for their country. And it was Hollywood that, that, uh, illustrated them as evil mm. but they weren't they actually had bylaws and and they did what they had to do because they were lied to by a country and at that point i kind of identified with pirates i said wait a minute i'm not a bad guy either but the people keep treating me like i'm a bad guy and i'm not a bad guy and all of a sudden I was watching movies and I started rooting for the Indians instead of the Cowboys. And I was rooting for the <laughs> robbers instead of the cops. And and I started listening to Punk Rock. Nice. And when I started listening to Punk Rock, I one of the bands I loved was the Subhumans um, from the UK. And they had this song called Subvert City. And Subvert City, they started there was a song in the song they sang about a comedian. And uh and I found myself kind of being thrown into the comedy world unintentionally. You know that you know uh battle rapping that they talk about in yeah. 8 Mile right yeah. well battle rapping has its origins in slavery in America mm. cuz in America they used to slaves one at a time unless there was something wrong with them and then they would sell them by the dozen and those dozen slaves would be in a cage and they'd all make fun of each other as a way of relief Mm. and so that's where battle rapping came from and to this day on the street they call battle rapping playing the dozens and so i was in this school and they made fun of me every day and i found myself being part of the dozens they would just walk up to me and start making fun of me and i'm like what's happening what's happening and then after being humiliated for a year i finally learned to fight with words and um so from that point forward words became really powerful for me. And then I, one of my bullies came up to me and said, Hey man, if you stop making fun of me, I'll stop beating you up. And I was like, Whoa, words are powerful. Yeah. And um all of a sudden I found myself listening to a whole lot of Richard Pryor albums and being able to identify with him. And, and I felt like Richard Pryor was, wasn't just an underdog. He was an underdog that fought back mm. and, that to me was the what what a real comedian was it was an underdog that fought back and and that's what punk rock was to me and that's what any form of storytelling where it was an underdog fighting back is what i was attracted to yeah and that's kind of how i found my path to comedy
0: that's amazing because um yeah that's such a a different route from what i've heard from say other comedians and stuff as well it's you know because a lot of um a lot of comedians i find do come from a sort of darker place where they've yeah. um they've ma- like managed to turn comedy into that outlet um to yeah. either you know deal with it or just to battle against it like you say with the sort of rap battles and stuff like that it was a sort of you know it's to sort of keep your head up if you will and it also keeps yeah. your mind going as well because that's the worst thing, cause if, if people are on you and your mind goes, that's it. You know, you've, they've won. Oh yeah. You know, and 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 that's the sort of point where you know a lot of people unfortunately fall to, and you know that leads to whatever that leads to be it, you know a life of complete you know disappointment or a life of crime or whatever and 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 things like that or you know you fight against it and you can kind of you know you find that that avenue and suddenly you're you find it in like you found it in uh stand-up comedy um whereas my my sort of outlets were through music um i was in a band when i was younger so a lot of that sort of like frustration and like through songwriting through performing um you kind of got that kind of like that that inner kind of like i guess darkness out of you in some way in a constructive way yeah. Um, so, I mean, from there, you sort of found yourself into sort of like comedy and stuff. But where, where where was your sort of like, where was your first show? What was your first show? You know, do you remember it? I do. Uh, so I had a
1: really crazy thing happen. When I was in high school, I was really good friends with this guy named John Silver. And John Silver and I were both known as the funny guys in school. Mm. And half the school thought John was the funniest, half the school thought I was the funniest. John was a year older than I was and his sister and I dated uh, in junior high school. Years later, I was re- coming back from a trip to Europe and I bumped in his sister at a supermarket. Uh, by the way, his sister is now married to Dick Van Dyke. It's a really funny, oh, wow. crazy story. <laughs> yeah. So she, she bumped into me and she said, Hey, you won't believe this. John is stand up comedy. Do you want to go to the show? And I'm like, Oh my God, yes, please. I want to go. So, Her and I went to the show together, and and I was so blown away. Um, He wasn't just the best comic. He was the best comic in the show by a mile. So I thought, if John is that much better, and in school we were, um, you know, neck and neck, maybe I have a chance to at least have fun with this and not look like a complete idiot. So I took a class and didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And then after I took the class, there was – big comedy club in LA. And I had professional comedians coming up to me saying, Hey, keep doing it. And, you know, and so I was like, Whoa, this is interesting. And I'll keep doing it. And right from the get go, right. When I started comedy, I was doing like, my first joke was about child abuse. (laughs) It was really weird. Like, I remember my first joke. It was, have you guys ever met someone that bullied you so badly? You hated everyone with his name. And I go, that's why I hate guys named dad. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. the, 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 like the audience kind of recoiled, but the, but then you heard these big laughs in the very back from the professional comedians. Nice. And they came up to me after and said, dude, you're a comic. Like you got to keep doing this. So I was like, Hey, okay. I'm in.
0: Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> like, in, and, and, especially starting that way as well with your first joke being something along those lines, it's a, uh, that's, that's yeah. brave for one, because like no, you, you don't normally go up there, and you wouldn't go for the jugular if you will straight off the bat, and you know you'd have like maybe some material, light material, then go into something like that. But no, that's really fucking cool. Sure. <laughs> oh, thanks, <man. laughs> um So I mean, from there, obviously you, you start, I guess, getting sort of like open mic nights and stuff like that. I assume um i'm not sure what the route is i mean i know it is for a musician you do you know open mic nights are an option for a sort of singer songwriter um but what's it like for a comedian that that kind of like uh, we call it uh, well i call it the toilet route here where you're playing pretty much every back room but what, what what was it like for you sort of doing that Yeah, exactly. I was lucky. I mean, LA has a very active
1: comedy scene, as you can imagine, like all the, it's it's almost like the Olympics of comedy where everybody comes there. I I feel like people come to LA when they're ready, you know? So it was really weird developing in a place where most comics finish, Mm. you know? Um, The nice thing is when I go to open mics, a lot of the open mics were also filled, not just with comics, but with comics that were also bookers on shows. Okay. So you know, these comics would see me and bookers would, they started inviting me to uh, book shows and paid shows and shows with real audiences. So I got up every night, you know, every, I was obsessed. Um, I went up every night after work, it was became my medicine, you know, and I had a pretty bad cocaine problem and comedy was the only thing that made me stop. Mm. Um, Cause I used to, I told this to my therapist and my therapist agreed. I said, I don't, I don't think I was ever a, I was not feeling sad because, you know, my dad would always say stuff like boys don't cry and, and, you know, be a man and all this other stuff. He was a really macho military guy. Yeah. And, uh, and then my friends also kind of knew me as the funny guy. So whenever I wasn't funny, they kind of went like, Hey, what's wrong with you? So I, I never felt like I had permission to be sad. So, you know, I used cocaine seven minutes at a time (laughs) to make me (laughs) unsad until, you know, my, my freaking you know, nose imploded and I started going to therapy and the therapist is like, you know, how, why do you think you were able to get clean so fast? And, and I said, you know, cause I, i was addicted to not feeling sad. I wasn't chemically addicted and he agreed. So, um, so I, I got addicted to comedy. I replaced cocaine for, or yeah, I replaced cocaine with comedy mm-hmm. the way a lot of people in AA replace alcohol with cigarettes and coffee.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um I was lucky, you know, people uh you know, and I have kind of a, a, a different childhood and people are always looking to have like a different mix of people in their lineups and there weren't very many comics that were like uh in tattoos, bald options with a Muslim dad and a mom, you know. <laughs> So uh, people were putting me up and, um, I went to college in Sweden, even though I'm from America and I had a lot of friends in Europe and they encouraged me to do the Edinburgh fringe in Scotland. Yeah. So about two years into comedy, I went and did the Edinburgh fringe and at the fringe, I won this competition uh, called best you international act under two years. And I got signed by a manager and then I came back to the States and quit my day job and which was advertising. I was a copywriter at an ad agency. So I quit my day job. I sold my house. I sold my car. I I went from a house in the Hollywood Hills to living in a piece of shit apartment owned by a comedy club, a flat Mm. with no, no windows. And every time we showered, we had to open a skylight on the roof so that the the paint wouldn't peel off the walls. It was, (laughs) and it was behind a chicken shop and oh, wow. so our, our front door was over a fence. So I'd come home late at night from shows and people would think it was a dumpster behind the fence. So I'd come home to no joke, minimum before bags of chicken bones oh, on my man. front doorstep every night. It was brutal.
0: That's <laughs> horrible. That's horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, And I was still happier than I was with a house on the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Doing co- cocaine alone in a living room, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah i mean that that's that's i mean like that's dedication to you know to sort of like give up i guess everything and and really try and make a uh a living from it at least or at least you know go because yeah. like like the music industry the the comedy industry i'm guessing is is very like there's only a few comics that really kind of like skyrocket if you will um and you've got i mean there are obviously you get like ones that are the circuit comics the, journey, yeah. the journeyman, if you will, um, and and yeah, no, I was just like it, it's it's such a it, it, it entwines so much with a, a sort of like as a career musician, you know, it like the way that works, like going out and just entertaining a crowd, but everyone starts at that kind of like low level and they have to cut everything, you know um and you know and it comes along with addiction stuff as well so drugs drink um you know whatever whatever your poison is on that front um and and a lot of people do manage to sort of turn that around if that is affecting them like yourself you know you didn't use it as a sort of an addiction like you said you're using it as yeah you know just to i guess make you happy (laughs) on that front um but from there i mean like when i sort of like got to start when i started sort of noticing you on that front um uh, like after I spoke to Jimmy, I noticed you were like I, I saw you on TV in the states. Um, oh, you cool! Did, you did the um, I think I'm down the comedy knockout um, on yeah. on True TV, um, and that was really cool because you had a you had a brick comedian with you as well. Yeah, Gina um, Yashir. Yeah, who, she's, she's one of so, our she's my idol. She's one of our finest. Cool. If you were <laughs>
1: absolutely, and I'm I'm proud to call her a friend. It's great, man. It was really cool because one of my favorite. I ended up winning the episode and Gina and I were in the, it was me against Gina and in the background behind me, my favorite photograph is me holding up a trophy and Gina
0: behind me flipping off the camera. Oh, nice.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so great. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that, I mean, doing stuff like that. I mean, you've had, when you, um, uh, did like the Edinburgh fringe and stuff, did you get any like TV coverage over here as well over in England? yeah little things here and there but nothing as big as a uh, comedy knockout because obviously you traveled the world now obviously doing this and and we'll bring it on to where you are right now you're in spain um yeah and and the story of you getting there i think is quite quite amazing <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> on that front and um and it kind of ties in with your um vlog as well but what i want to do is sort of get get the story behind that because you were uh, um seeing someone on um an app uh, Bumble, quite a well-known um, sort of like dating app, yeah. if you will, um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, you were in um, was it New York at the time? I think it was or L.A. and and exactly, uh, was I was in she, New York and she was in Spain. Yeah, she was in Barcelona. Yeah,
1: and it's funny because I when I, I was pretty uh, poor when I was in university and after I lived, uh, I didn't have much money when I first. Uh, left university and and I miss traveling so the way that I would travel is to go online and you know through videos and pictures and stuff it would be my way of sort of traveling in my mind mm. and when quarantine started in New York a lot of people don't realize quarantine is so much more severe in New York than LA because the the flats are so much smaller mm. you know and so I, I found myself in this tiny little apartment you know and starting to freak out a little bit so I resorted to what I used to do when I was a kid and I, I found out that Bumble had this feature called Passport where you could um, put yourself in another country and, and chat with people there and so that's what I did and, and the actually kind of had an impact on the way we communicated with each other I, I found this Swedish girl we totally hit it off uh, in a, and it got me, I was surprised to be excited you know, because it, it wasn't the reason why I was on the app. I didn't think I was going to meet anyone. I yeah. thought I was just really traveling, you know? Yeah. And we hit it off. We laughed a bunch. I thought she was beautiful. And, but because it was so far away, um, we almost started playing this game of truth or dare with how honest we could be. Uh-huh. Um, even my profile, you know, I saw all the other profiles and they were all like, oh, I'm great at this, I'm great at that. So I just made a profile where I said, I'm shit, I'm shit at this, shit at that, I'm I'm selfish, uh, I'm a poor communicator, probably wise, my whole life. And I just pretty much told the brutally honest truth. And um, I'm sure it turned off a lot of people, but for her, for some reason, she was intrigued and she messaged me and told me all the things that were shitty about her. And we started this thing sort of, way of communicating with each other. And, and over time, I felt like almost more seen than I'd ever been seen because, because of this line of communication, she knew more about me than almost some of my closest friends did. And uh-huh. it was almost by accident. But after about a month or so, I'm like, I, I have to meet her. um, And I was lucky, I already had COVID. And so we both had COVID pretty early on and I had gone and gotten a test and had documentation from a doctor that proved that I had the antibodies and the law in Spain was, it was open to European countries then in a, around June, 2020. Mm. So I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go see her and let's, let's spend the summer together. And she said, yeah, come and sit with me. My flatmate is in Germany. He's staying there. And why don't you just come and sit with me and each other. And I said, Sure. And I I went to the Department of Recreation whatever it was in Spain, and I got a QR code, and I was all legal, and I had all my paperwork with me. And I tried to get into the country, and right when I got to the border, and she was 500 feet away, they stopped me and said, you can't come in. The law changed when you were in the air. Oh, shit. And I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And they're like, nope, you can't come in. And I'm like, what does this mean? And they, they took my passport. They took my luggage. They took me to a police station and then into a jail. And told me I was going to spend the night there. And the next day they brought me a translator and an attorney told me my rights and put me back on a plane and sent me to Heathrow. Huh? In Heathrow, I was going to treat myself to a hotel after sleeping on the ground in a jail cell. And when I got to Heathrow, all the hotels were closed. And I was like alone in Heathrow sitting in a, I had to sit in a chair for 18 hours till my oh, flight, shit. till the next flight. It was, I, I could feel my brain snapping. Yeah. Like I was totally going to snap. And then I got back home and I told her, I said, I don't quit. That's not what I do. And we're going to find a way. And I was worried that she was going to lose hope, but, um, she didn't, she even stayed on the phone with me the whole time I was in the airport, you know? Oh, wow! And, um, I got home and thanks to music again, you know, I found that John Lennon and Yoko Ono got married in Gibraltar mm. and, Gibraltar was this amazing little country that was allowing Americans in. They had no COVID deaths, excellent tracing, and so I, I bought a ticket as soon the day I landed back in America. I bought a ticket to go back a week later, which was crazy because I was <laughs> exhausted, you know. Yeah. And uh, a week later, we were meant to meet in Gibraltar, but every day we watched the news with so much anxiety because we just kept hearing about Americans behaving more and more. St- you know, and, 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 you know, this horrific president that we have doing horrible things Yes, and we just thought it was going to happen to us again, you know? And, um, and we finally did it. He flew to Malaga and then took a taxi two hours or or a car two hours to get to Gibraltar. And then we met for the first time. And the day I met her is the day I asked her to marry me. Oh Wow. Yeah. And then we were supposed to be in Gibraltar two days and get married, but, because of COVID even our birth certificates arriving via DHL and FedEx that got delayed by two weeks. Mm. So we lived on that little Island country for, or it felt like an Island for two weeks going from hotel to Airbnb to hotel. And I thought I was going to live in Gibraltar cause she was going to have to go back because of her work. And, and, and then, you know, we'd get married over a weekend or something, but, mm. but we did it. We got married and, we walked across the border got a rental car drove to barcelona and we've been here for the last six months
0: that is absolutely amazing and like, oh, thanks, just, like just like whirlwind amazing and i think yeah. i mean obviously the fact you got on like just because i find um like from experience of my own um like chatting online with various people or you know with someone you know you get a lot of the sort of um bullshit out the way if you will you know, there are some sort of like, we can throw a sort of like curtain up and, and, and pretend various things, which obviously, yeah, you know, you found someone that was like, you know what? That's not bullshit. <laughs> Let's just be perfectly honest. You've been perfectly honest on here. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and you get that kind of great connection, which is obviously yeah. what you've got. And, and that leads onto your, um, your, your video, um, your vlog, if you will. And, and what you're yeah. doing with there is, is from what I understand, it's with you and your, your wife, um yeah it's called nice to marry you which makes very good yeah. cool name um and exactly. basically <laughs> you talk about some of or you just have some of the discussions that you have um and like in front of a camera yeah exactly i mean we
1: are people who got married the day we met you know it's not supposed to work mm. um but it's been you know all my life i've struggled with relationships you know my dad had ptsd from war he never went to therapy i got physically abused by him. And, you know, and I didn't believe in therapy, but Mm. once I started going to therapy and being, I I tried so many different ways to connect with people, but it it just wasn't working for me. And I, I I really thought I was going to die alone. And then when I met her and I did this one simple thing, which is be unconventionally honest, um, it started working, you know, and, and it's, it's the best relationship I've been in. I feel like a completely different person. And, um, You know, so we decided, hey, you know, when I was a comic, having an audience in front of me forced to stay honest, you get rewarded for being honest on stage. And I liked having an audience because it kept me uh, being honest. Mm. So I said, you know, if we put a camera on our on our marriage and once a week we take turns talking about the things that we're most afraid of or that are bugging us, then, um, you know, maybe it'll keep us on it and maybe it'll help uh a you know, another person who might be like me that's out there who's like, hey, I don't know what to do. There's all these different there's all these different forms of advice and all the and it's confusing. Yeah. And maybe just watching people who are trying to make it work will be okay.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And and from the sort of, from your latest video, um just called Fuck John Wayne. um um, i watched that and and yeah it's it it, i mean i come from an era as well where you know men are men don't boys don't cry um to put it that way and and you know we rarely talk about our feelings and things like that and and that has affected my mental health growing up um it's something that i deal with pretty much every day um i actually medicate for it as well um mm. and and, and i like that so you know i mean I'm, I'm a big advocate of sort of like being you know it's okay not to be okay um it's yes. and, and it's and it's even better to talk about it me and me and my partner my wife we 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 talk about stuff sometimes i do get into a sort of like thing where i let things build up and i'm aware of that a lot more now where i let it kind of go let it go let it go and then suddenly now it's a problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. But my wife has. She knows the triggers. She knows what I do. Like beforehand. She knows me very well. Um. And and it's the same with her as well. If, so if anything's bugging her. And and that's what I love about your 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 video um your video blogs. It's it's just it is that it is what a relationship I think should be for the most part. It's it's you know it's that level. Of, it's talking through your either your disagreements or if something's bugging you, even if it's not directly related to them personally, it's still good to talk about that. If it's something that affected you when you were younger, obviously you've been through quite a lot with uh, your dad and things like that. And obviously um, that's, that's, I mean, that's going to be heavily traumatic on that front. And, and, but if you've, you've now started going, you know, you started seeing a therapist, which is, which is a massive step. A lot of people like the biggest step is making that call to someone. Yeah, I agree. And it does take you, like, when my, you know, I've had various sort of uh, family members pass away and stuff, which is another sort of, like, reason I'm... You know using um i'm on uh what they call it Floxetine or prozac if you will i think is the us version mm, yeah um, <laughs> um um but you know and 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 to sort of deal with that side of things but but the the biggest step for me you know taking medication was relatively straightforward um it was a little tricky yeah. to start with getting your body getting used to the chemical balance and whatnot but sure. the biggest thing for me was trying to talk to someone and making that call like i got given phone numbers for various places be it bereavement counselling, be it um, work-related stress, be it, um, you know, just general depression sort of side of things. And I remember making a call and and putting the phone down the first couple of times, like ringing, yeah. ringing it down, ringing, putting it down, because there's that element of scare. But then once, once I got through, once I just said, no, I'm not going to hang up, I can't hang up, I have to do this. Um, you know, that's the biggest step. Um, and then the evolution from that is what you are doing right now is but you're putting out in the sort of like the public light which is amazing for you know for some For like you say you're trying to maybe inspire some other people help some other people it's not directly what you're doing yeah. like you said, i think in one of your videos saying it's not we're not giving advice we're just yeah. we're just doing what we do and then if it helps exactly awesome and that's what i think is absolutely fantastic about your this this thing you're doing um yeah and, and well, thanks uh, man i really appreciate that that's really nice it's it's like i said it's really cool and, and like i said mental health is a is a i'm a huge sort of like like whenever i've ever spoken to musicians especially over this last year it's been huge because we're all or we've all been locked in our houses our apartments our you know rooms you know some people just living in a room you know they like said you had a tiny apartment things like that and it after a while you you, you start to go a little bit stir crazy you know we were allowed out to exercise you know I take the dog out for a walk and whatnot um but i'm in the house with me myself like me myself me and my wife and i've got three kids in the house and a dog as well um and so that's nice so we were like homeschooling i was kind of working from home um like doing um various things for the company i work for my wife's working from home the kids are getting sort of rough education <laughs> over over yeah. zoom and things like that and and you know after a while i was just like i need to go out it was like a couple of weeks into that first lockdown i was like i need to go i need to go out for a drive or something but you generally you weren't allowed to you know it was yeah. like don't do it you know there's nothing it's not worth it if you get stopped by the police and get fined for it or whatever yeah and it's crazy i found solace in 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 kind of doing this podcast um I yes. ended up speaking to people from around the world, various sort of like levels of rock band and um and various musicians, basically, and 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 that really helped. Like along with sort of like spending time with the family and everything, speaking to people mm-hmm. was the the big thing.
1: Definitely, it's it's it makes a difference. I think the thing that convinced me to go to therapy was a friend of mine. um... Who's in a punk band? But I, I can't say which band. But let's say uh, they're very influential uh, to, to me growing up, and then we became friends in my ad- adulthood. And he said, "He's like, listen. Going to therapy is does not mean you're weak. Going to therapy means you're breaking free of the brainwashing." Yeah. He's all un- understand this. He's all women grow up with phys- impossible physical standards. Men grow up with impossible emotional ones. The yeah. government tries to influence the way that your parents raise you so that they can as a soldier, so they can use you as a worker. That's why they try to remove emotions from your life so that you can, so that you do what you're told. And when they tell you to do evil things, dirty things that you'll keep doing them. He's also going to therapy is fucking punk rock. And I was like, Oh my God. And he's totally right, man. It is. We are all in a cult. Yeah. all of us are in a cult and it's the cult of corporations. Yeah. They they control us, they influ they manipulate us, they make us feel bad about ourselves, they make us feel good about ourselves. They they manipulate our feelings so they can use us like like fuel. Yeah. And it's up to us to break free and and live better lives and have the future generations be more free of that bullshit.
0: Yeah. No, totally. And I I've, I've I've been like trying to wean myself because like, i've spent a lot of time on social media um which is a huge sort of time suck for me um and Ooh. and that, i can't remember i can never remember who this this quote comes from but i was watching i was reading a book about i guess it was about the addiction of social media but they say it's like every time you open up say one of them though so facebook instagram whatever um it's the equivalent to pulling um on a like a one arm bandit like a fruit machine gambling basically. So you pull that lever, mm. and then you know your fruit's going to come up. The cherry's going to come up. You're going to get any likes. You're going to get any you know comments. You're going to get any <laughs> you know that sort of thing. And that, that at that point, that resonated with me so much. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. And then that, obviously there's a, the the documentary on Netflix and stuff like that about the sort of like social network side of things, um, and how they have manipulated or how they you yeah. know, they try and keep you on the platform. Um, so they use it, you know, whether it's going to feel good for you, make you feel good, make you feel bad. It's you know what was sort of created as a, as with anything, created it with like the naivety that it wouldn't be used for evil. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like these 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 companies have figured out that oh, we can actually we can target these ads to people. We can we can uh, make them believe certain political, you know, enhance the political view of of a certain party and i mean we've seen it on a big scale with the u.s elections and stuff like that they're saying that the social media was manipulated by outside parties to to favor votes initially and stuff like that and and you know and it's such a powerful tool that it's like like anything it's been weaponized and and exactly and i'm trying to sort of like uh, i use it for sort of like business reasons now uh more than anything so for for this for instance um because it is a good tool to promote (laughs) this sort of stuff even though we're bad-mouthing them um but it's sort of also like i i i I noticed my like my kids are sort of getting to that age where they're sort of like early teens and and i've given them a phone and just you know, so they've got something if they get stuck somewhere at school or whatever. Um, uh, sure. But they, they use they use the sort of like the 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 social media that's big for the kids, so things like TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. And you know, I I see their screen time, uh, which is you know something that I can sort of share with them and say, look, you spent this long on this app, you spent like you know a day doing this over the last week so (laughs) we're gonna cut back um so being able to sort of like see it and actually control it and actually do as i am you know um was it trying to think of the term um practice what i preach i think is the best way of putting it because otherwise i could be sat there slumped on the couch scrolling through whatever um but i try not to be i try and i try yeah. and i'm trying to get off that like it is it's like a drug it's it's so weird it's like just trying to detox off something it like really it. is um yeah but yeah no that's just sort of like what I, what i'm trying to do at the moment you know i was i tried to work on it like last year it was very difficult because you're locked in the house and <laughs> Yeah. that's your outside world which is it's wild dangerous. man it
1: doesn't even feel real it doesn't feel real you know, I think we're, we're in it. So we don't realize how crazy this is and until, until we're out of this, we're going to look back at this and be like, what a crazy fucking thing yeah. that we just went through, you know? Yeah. And everyone went through it The only good as thing well. that everyone went through it. That's the other thing that's weird. It's weird to be miserable and have it be a shared misery. You'd think if anything, it would unify people, right? Like yeah. this is, it's as if you you went to an escape room and no one can figure out how to get out. So we all just started fighting. Like it doesn't make (laughs) that's not how you get out of out of an escape room. It doesn't make sense. The one thing that does give me hope though is I have a friend who's a social psychologist because look at this has happened before in nineteen eighteen and what happened after nineteen eighteen and I said, What? And he goes, The roaring twenties, that's what happened after nineteen eighteen. People had an appreciation for life. They started celebrating life again and they started reprioritizing what mattered again and they broke free of all the bullshit of corporations and and before they got brainwashed again maybe a decade later but during that during the 20s life got really fun and and i i think we're in for there's some there's a very bright light at the end of the tunnel yeah
0: no definitely definitely and i can i can see that it was difficult at some points last year but um i think now it's it's kind of you know that's what you have to look forward to because um, if yeah. you do anything else again, like I think I said at the start, you will lose yourself um your head yeah, will go agreed and 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 that will be it it 's like it's i mean not game over, but it 's just sort of it 's won it 's beaten you um and it hasn 't beaten yeah. us yet, you know, so we 're still fighting against it and there 's still you know that that if you want to call it a war, a war against it, but it 's just sort of um making sure that i 'm making sure that my friends are okay i 'm making sure that my work colleagues are okay i 'm making sure that You know, obviously, my family are okay and stuff as well. So we're keeping in like that's what's been beautiful about this as well is like keeping in contact with people that you may not have spoken to for a long time. You know, yeah, and that's something. Hundred
1: percent. It's been a that's been great.
0: Yeah, and and I've discovered so much music as well, which has been amazing for me as well because obviously being musician, it's kind of you know I've I've kind of skipped over a lot of uh, music that at the time I was only looking for like the sort of like the concentration of the single, if you will, um, with it to play at the club or to play on radio or anything like that. Um, now I can actually appreciate bands full albums and I'm getting back into some music that I was into a long time ago, like sort of more of the sort of like prog music and stuff like that. Um, and, and like just some heavy bands that have just sort of passed me by and I haven't really been able to, and I've, I've, I've just suddenly had this opportunity to absorb, all this music and it's totally it's been liberating especially mentally just that's sort of like, awesome <clears throat> just to have that but um onto the sort of music side of things um because mm-hmm. I, I, you've mentioned you're into your sort of you, you like your punk rock that was what you sort of grew up with and that's what sort of gave you um the perspective i guess um at that point to sort of grow from there but um what are your sort of what are your favorite bands i mean you mentioned um subhumans earlier um, as one of them. And I know you're sort of of that old sort of like punk rock. So I'm guessing things like germs and, and um, sex pistols, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, definitely. You know, I think what happened with me with punk rock was that um, at the time I was also a big fan of Charles Bukowski and Bukowski had this great quote where he said, when the form appears, the spirit wanes. Mm. You know, he he broke conventions all the time. and people say, oh, he's not a real poet, It, was, it has to be like this structure needs to be like that. And he was like, fuck structure. Yeah. And it reminded me of like punk music where, you know, you mentioned the germs, horrific musicians, yes, right? Horrible. <laughs> and But they sang with passion and the stuff they sang about, they gave a shit about, you know, Darby was bleeding on the stage from himself because he gave a shit about what he said. And that opened up my whole world to me. There were so many things that I felt like I can't do this and I can't do that because I'd, I haven't followed the protocol. But punk rock to me meant freedom, mm. you know. And so the bands that I loved—I mean, the bands that I loved because of their musicianship—later on were bands like Danzig and Sam Hain. But I, I just loved music that was played passionately, you know. So, suicidal tendencies was a huge band for me. Nice. Dead Kennedys, um, Toy Dolls, Velvet Underground—which wasn't technically punk—but what the stuff they sang about was punk rock. You know, singing about drag queens walking through the streets in New York in the village and the set is was wild, you know <laughs> that kind of stuff that opened up my world and you know through songs and through ideas and concepts slowly removed one, two, three, and four pieces of software that were installed in my computer without me knowing you know it was like there's so many like you know everybody complained about that u two album that yeah. they put on our iPhones without us knowing. There's a whole bunch of U2 albums that are put in our software that we don't know about. You know, like when I went to Sweden and I saw a Stallone movie that was rated X and then I saw a regular Swedish movie that was rated PG where a guy pulled down his pants and waved his penis around. And then a Swedish friend (laughs) laughed at me and he said, oh, yeah, you're American. You guys rate your movies by sex. We rate our movies by violence. Mm. And I went, wait a minute. I didn't make that decision. America did. Yeah. And they and they put it in my software. And I don't want that in my software. I want to delete that software out. And that's what punk rock did for me. It made me realize how much of it wasn't my fault. You know, like songs by suicidal tendencies were said, How can you say I'm crazy when I went to your schools, your church, your institutional learning facilities? Mm. You know? Yeah. It was that kind of stuff where all of a sudden adults were singing about feelings
0: that i had and it made it just made me feel seen that's amazing no that's 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 not of oh, like, thanks man no that's really cool I mean, it's just like just like having that like especially like w- when i it's the same that when i discovered like he- like heavy metal it is that kind yeah. of like my whole household is is you know for music taste purposes are all sort of like pop music so whatever mm-hmm. bubblegum pop music there was at the time, um, that's what they're into through the 80s and, and, and 90s and stuff like that. My dad, he was sort of into sort of more guitar rock. Um, so the sort of middle of the road, you know, crisp Rear and The Shadows and stuff like that. And um, mm-hmm. but yeah, when I discovered he- like I think it was um, no, I know it was it was Motorhead i first discovered oh yeah um and it was thanks to a a tv show here in england called the young ones which is an iconic like oh i love the young ones yeah and and there's this episode where they're going on to a university challenge i remember that that was so good and they had motorhead play live for the montage and they did ace of spades for it and and that was like the first time like i was ever exposed to that style of music because like i said i've been surrounded by pop music yeah. and and you hear like motorhairs for ace of spades i mean it's a f- massive song and and you hear that and i just immediately bonded with it i was just like i fucking loved love it and i just went out and i found you know uh guns and roses iron maiden um you know bon jovi we're going 80s here so <laughs> back when bon jovi kind of was all right um <laughs> um, um you know and, and and just like like heavy bands like that and and you know and it just sort of like and it does it it uninstalls that software um of 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 what what people would expect from you or you know what your 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 family expect of you or anything like that and then you know i made Absolutely. a small career out of that side of things so you know it's it's kind of worked in my favor too on there <laughs> um um but i've got a couple of uh like just a couple of last questions for you man i can let you get on with the rest of you sure. so um you know i actually did drugs with lemmy in
1: los angeles at the rainbow room no way he died that's one of the things i'm most proud of
0: <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell that's amazing <laughs> uh, dude he's
1: the biggest sweetheart in the world like one of the biggest, if there was a Mount Rushmore, he would be on it oh, for, yeah. for metal. And he, I saw him at Rainbow Room because he was walking from the comedy store and we went there for a comic's birthday, a guy named Justin. And I walked into the room and I had a little bag in my hand and I saw, I looked up and it was Lemmy and Lemmy looked at me and, and I looked at him. We both had Coke in our hands. We started laughing. And then he goes, he's all, did we have a, a, a Coca-Cola challenge? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, I'm all, absolutely and then we both sampled each other's uh, coke we did key bumps off of each other's keys and ever since then every time i'd see him he he called me hammer he never <laughs> forgot oh well technically he didn't remember my name but he remembered that it was like a hammer and yeah. every time he saw me he called me hammer
0: he's such a sweetheart oh, that's amazing that is absolutely yeah, fucking amazing never met the man um i got uh i met phil campbell which was his guitarist um, oh wow and and that's as close as I got to Lemmy uh, so um, but that's fuck it that is amazing that is awesome oh man oh, that's it, so that. cool that's really cool <laughs> so what I want to find out man are your three um your three albums that wow. kind of changed your life so yeah it, that's the sort of that's, that's the question <laughs> <laughs> um, what are uh, they <laughs> uh
1: definitely ACDC Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap Nice Um God uh The Germs uh Oh it's a tough third one Um Jimi Hendrix Jimi cool uh, was definitely up there and I would also say the Beatles if they're not like uh like the white album Mm -hmm. um blew my mind
0: nice yeah i mean you know coming from the land of the beatles my mum was a huge beatles fan but yeah delving into their sort of like their back catalog away from the sort of like big hits there are some amazing stuff in there um oh yeah um it's, it's one of those things that surprised me when i when i was younger and i was like looking through going through my mum's record collection or whatever and my dad's old stuff and, and, and finding, and like, oh, I'll just put it on. And you would hear, like, you know, Sgt. Pepper's, and you recognise the song and all that kind of stuff, or Yellow Submarine, but then you get delve into I don't know what they were taking for half of it, but um, <laughs> going to that <laughs> side. But they got some absolutely f- banging songs that just that I don't know. But obviously, they are appreciated, but they were never sort of like one of the singles, so yeah fantastic and acdc amazing um always amazing especially that album i yeah. love that um hendrix oh, yeah,
1: it's such a great album. yeah, yeah.
0: hendrix yep yeah, iconic and germs like i'm gonna go and listen to some germs um that's why i asked this question in fact is so i can sort of rediscover stuff or discover stuff i haven't listened but i haven't heard the germs for so long um i'm just gonna go back and it, you just like when you were talking about them earlier it reminded me of like just that passionate playing i mean there were for all intents purposes, a musician point of view, not very good. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like you say, you just want someone who can do something passionately and 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 mean what they're sort of doing as well. So,
1: yeah, they cool. were they were so good, dude. They they were just. Uh, I don't think there was ever anybody like them again. No, not yeah. like Darby. Darby was just
0: mm. special, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um so what are your um what are you what what are your hobbies away from comedy like when you're not um writing or anything like that what what do you kind of do
1: well i you know, I'm a big traveler and I really miss that so um i i i just started the good thing about i guess the pandemic is it's been making me pay attention to things that make me happy besides my obsession with stand up comedy mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean playing piano has brought me a lot of joy recently. Um, photography, I, I, started learning how to shoot, um, teaching myself how to be a better photographer, a better film. I'm a huge film buff. And so I've been learning a lot about editing and how to make my own films and starting to apply some of those learnings to the videos I'm making with my wife. Cool. Um, yeah, those are my biggest passions. I'd say photography, travel, uh, always comedy has got to stay on that list and then music, you know, playing yeah. music and listening to music. Cool.
0: What made you sort of start wanting to play the piano?
1: Mm, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. And it's something that I, I, I don't think I had the patience for it when I was a kid. Mm. I think I'd get frustrated, you know, I I'd get frustrated and quit and frustrated and quit. And I think, I wanted to learn to be a more patient person. So I started and, and now with technology it's so much easier, you know, with all the different apps that are out there. So I got myself a, a Roland uh Go Keys keyboard that was it's a phenomenal keyboard for the price. Yeah. You know, for a little under three hundred pounds, you can get a really nice keyboard with with great uh, touch on the keys and it's uh it feels like a real piano. Nice. Um, but it's really small and portable. And, you know, there's some really great apps out there. So I just told myself, hey, have you tried and quit this a bunch of times? But I always knew I was going to come back to piano. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's why I did it. And um, and I'm really enjoying it. And there's been a bunch of great comedians who've kind of included music in their comedy. Like, I used to always say comedy is just the blues for people that can't play an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, or people can't sing. And I think Chris Rock said that, too. I think he's a... Who, I didn't say it because I heard Chris I said it and then someone told me oh I think Chris Rock said that And I was like no way so um so yeah, there's been you know, i have never been a huge fan of musical comedy, but now I I think I'm more open to it than ever.
0: Yeah, there's some good ones out there. I think Tim Mincham's a big one. Um especially Oh yeah, end. Tim's great. Yeah, he's he's great. I absolutely love him and he's obviously he's doing like um West End musical writing as well and stuff like that on top of it. Yeah, so it's awesome. And going back, sort of like I mentioned at the start, Billy Connolly is another one, like I love that sort of style of things when he's doing his sort of like folk comedy if you will. Um, yeah. And that's that's always great and stuff as well. But yeah, I look forward to see if you incorporate that into your act at some point. No, <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I think I might one of these days. That would be really cool. Um, so um, what are your sort of like, um, like finally, what, what what sort of plans are you sort of like putting in place like I'm guessing post sort of COVID or at least if it calms down enough? Um, are you planning to go back yeah. to America um, with, with with wife you in know, hand? It- or is it... Is, is Spain your home for now?
1: You know, it's funny. You, you asked a great question. Your timing couldn't have been better. I, I feel like COVID has sort of hit the reset button for me. And, um, you know, I have a Swedish wife who's lived in cold her whole life and then an Egyptian mom who is has no business in the cold. But <laughs> for me, most of the, most of the cities that have great comedy are cold weather cities. So my wife and I were chatting and... We America is not a place we want to go back to anytime soon. I I don't think that the problems are going to go away when Trump goes away. I think he's um, he's lit a fire, you know, uh, a really dirty fire. And so um, we decided to stay in Europe. And I I think our goal is to go to Lisbon because it's a warm weather city with a low cost of living and it's close to the rest of Europe. So if I can live somewhere where the cost of living is cheap enough to where I can travel you know, every weekend to go do comedy. And even though the comedy scene is small there and, and I have some friends in Portugal, so we're going to try to build up the comedy scene uh, there. And, and then I'm going to travel around Europe and build up my fan base in Europe and, and try to be in a place where we feel like the people are kinder, more civilized. They're not afraid of science. (laughs) You know, it it just seems like a better place to be. So, uh, that's, that's our, our plan for the near future is to get my mom out here and, um, and to get her into Portugal and, and, and we're going to, we're going to go there.
0: Okay, cool. Nice. That's really cool. It's like nice to have you over. I mean, technically we're not part of Europe, but um, as of of a couple of weeks ago, but it will be nice to see you in England actually. Um, Uh, thanks man. If you do hit over here, do hit me up and I'll, I'll, do my best to get to whatever venues you're playing and stuff. And, and, um, cause I'd like to see it live as well. Um, but yeah no that sounds awesome man i mean good luck with it right on um good luck with the the video um video cast (laughs) the vlog (laughs) um i will get it one day um i will be watching that i've I've subscribed to your channel so people can find that um it's under your name uh tamakatan um and and yeah they can find that on youtube and everything is there anything else you want to plug or anything like that while you're uh on the show
1: no no i mean that's great uh, what you said is great um otherwise another great place to follow me is on instagram i'm at Tamer cat and it's spelled t-a-m-e-r-k-a-t on cool. um, the first half of my last name and that's a great place to stay in touch and you know once shows start opening up again
0: cool well tamar thank you very much man i really appreciate your time Um, thank you brother thanks for having me on it was fun to chat yeah it was great to chat i really enjoyed it it's been worth the wait on my part so thank you (laughs) thanks so much man i appreciate that um but yeah uh, like i say hopefully we'll see you um in and around europe hopefully in england at some point doing your stand up and you know get on some of those tv shows there's plenty of them here I have the... Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. From your words to the producer's ears. Yes, there. we'll
0: try. We'll try. I'll see if anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but cool, man. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for having me, brother. Talk to you soon. Thank you, mate. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.